0: This is episode number 329 with Kamal Ravikan of the Founder Podcast.
1: What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration
0: of human potential. Now. 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 now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. What's going on, founder fam? Hope you are doing well wherever you are around the world. Nathan Chan here, CEO and Publisher of Founder Magazine and also the host of this podcast. So let's talk about today's guest. His name's Kamal Ravikant. And uh, wow, I interviewed Kamal literally like five years ago. It's so crazy when you think about it. How time flies, how much has happened, what we've built at Founder, this incredible community that you're a part of, and yeah, how much has changed. So Kamal and I had a really good catch up. Such a cool, interesting, humble, extremely smart founder. Um, We talk about his release of his book, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Uh, We talk about Mentorship. In you know the current state of Silicon Valley, we talk about how to decide. You know when you are investing in a startup, like what is he looking for, and what is the mindset of a successful entrepreneur? What are the true traits that he looks for in founders? Really cool interview. Um, if you really want to know kind of the mindset, the traits, what he looks for, he's had a lot of. Um, successful founders and companies that he's invested in this is a great interview you're going to learn a ton and guys if you are enjoying these episodes please do take the time to leave us a review wherever you're listening whatever platform and we don't charge for this all i ask is you share this with a friend or many friends that we either want to start or grow a business all right guys that's it from me now I jump to the show kamal thanks so much for taking the time
1: Thanks for having me, man. Like I was telling you before we started the show, it's fun to see growth, right? It's fun to see episode number three or five, whatever episode it was, and now the episode like 300-something, to see yeah. and also how your business has grown, and and it's it's really fun to see that. So thanks for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome, man. Dude, I remember when I spoke, first spoke to you, it was like such a fun episode because um, we didn't just talk about business, but we talked about life. And I think, you know, it's easy to talk about the tactics or the hacks, which is the exciting stuff that everybody wants to hear. But we talked about, you know, some of the hard times and the mental things that go on as an entrepreneur and a founder. And it's really, really tough. Um, Just for context for our audience, everyone listening and watching, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got your job? Uh,
1: Which one? The current job? Running a fund?
0: Yeah, well, look, like, yeah, how things get started for you, man, because you're, it's interesting, you're, you're a VC guy, but then you're also, you know, a quite prolific author.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, but I've also been doing startups since the first dot-com boom, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I moved out here, moved out to the West Coast, to San Francisco, Bay Area, uh, when the internet boom was happening, and I just, like, threw myself in, and it was the best education I got, and then just either built companies that helped friends, but, Build companies, advise corporate for a while, but that was killing my soul. So came back to the to just building companies. And then um, after my last company, I was really really burnt out. That one actually had uh, didn't work out. I lost everything, and then actually literally lost every dime I'd made for the past decade. And I was in debt. I you know it was one of those stories. A lot of entrepreneurs actually have that story too. And I was talking to my brother. And I was telling about how burnt out I was. And to start a pro, to start a company, you have to want to solve a problem. It's not that you want to start a company. It's like, there's a problem you want to solve and you create a solution and the company builds itself around it. That company then sells a solution or offers a solution. And there was no solution. There was no problem. I really wanted to solve badly. And I was burnt out. I've been going for like almost four years nonstop, like no vacations, no days off, nothing. You know, as the founder, also, as the largest investor in the company, and so forth, you know. And um, he said, "Well, you're always helping uh, your friends in Marfa, Silicon Valley, get into the great de- get into great deals because you know everyone. And also, you're you're known as a very friendly. You're very helpful to other entrepreneurs. You've helped some people become very successful just by connecting with the right people or whatever. And he so you 'You're basically a VC without the carry.'" You're getting money into companies, and you're helping companies, the entrepreneurs succeed, and you're getting nothing out of it. But you do a VC's job. He said, "Just formalize it. Start a VC fund." And I thought about it. I realized he's right. There is a problem I wanted to solve because there I had, you know, I'd raised money from some incredible investors, some very friendly, and then I raised money from some horrible investors who really you really realize the cost of money when you with a, with a bad investor. They can make your life miserable. You're busy trying to run a company and at the same time dealing with emotional outbursts from like just someone who just they wrote you a check and now they just hold it over you and like the power over you. Right. It was and and so I realized I want to be one of the good ones. Like that what I want to do is I want to create a fund that like looking back at what what the most helpful best investors do, they gave me a check that and either they stayed out of my way, you know, just checked and see how things were, say, how can I help? Or they actually, like when I reach out to them, they would say like, okay, what do you need? And I would say, I need this. And they would just get it done. So like, that's who I want to be. Just like the guy, the guy like, look, I'm going to write you a check. I'm going to back you. I'm going to get out of your way. And I'll check in once in a while, reach out and you tell me what you need. And from my network, if I can do it, I will get it done. That simple. If I can, I'll tell you. And here's the things I can get done. So you so you're know when to call me, you know, what to call me for. And some of it can be very practical. Um, you know get you sales, get you customers, get you and get you a deal or connect you with someone. Someone can be, well, you know trying to find your employees sometimes? No, like I there was a company recently reached out to me and said they're hiring like a VP of something an iOS engineer. and I was like, look, right now I don't know any, so I can't help with that. But so it all depends what I have access to. So I set out to do that, and I rose wrote my rose a, raise a little MVP, you know, like a sub five million dollar fund and mm-hmm. started investing. And um, I only did it from other entrepreneurs, only took money from entrepreneurs because they understood how I think. I'm not a spreadsheets guy. I'm a seed stage guy, which is more betting on founders on the market, on who else is in that ecosystem. It's not show me your projections for, you know, those are for good for business business school case studies, but they're not good for seed investing. Seed investing is ultimately you're betting on people. And the fact that this person can take this idea or this MVP and build it out as a company and scale. And you know, that's what you're betting on. So I did that, and a model proved itself. I got a you know I did some great bets, and uh, that fund you know got fully deployed a year ago. And um, you know, it's doing well. I've had some really nice exits out of it, like Teachable and Zcash. and I was a seed investor in both and a few uh, you know bunch of other like that. So I proved my model and also learned from it the mistakes I made, which was like, man, really pay attention to the people. If a flag goes off, don't invest in it at the, the times I went against my instinct, it didn't work. Really? You know, so you, so you actually like. So now I also have the benefit of hindsight of having that fun investments out for five years. You see the exits coming. You see the failures come in, and some of them you just can't help it. It was good founders, great traction. Everyone's coming in, and they things went sideways. You know, and so you know one of the patterns I also noticed was founders who start believing they're too smart when they raise money from well-known VCs. And they stop taking the calls from the or stop paying attention to the smaller investors, that's a huge sign. I've seen every one of them fail. It's like always there's one there's a difference between having a vision for your product and sticking to it, versus just being thinking you're full, you know, you know everything. And in fact, the best ones are humble. The best ones will take advice from from, um, could to take advice or at least feedback. And so now um, I took some breath. Time to just figure out what's next. And um, I had a, a book, HarperCollins, published worldwide, um, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends, in January 2020, which is a significantly expanded and revised version of my original self-published book that became successful. And, um, you know, I get emails from a lot of entrepreneurs who use it you know, because it's about my internal mindset and that I've used to change my life and a lot of people have. And um, so focused on that these, you know, how did I get to be a writer? I actually, I worked my ass off on it for like over a decade, studying the greats and writing and rewriting and sending in manuscripts to publishers and getting rejected and getting better and better rejections. And then just eventually just self-publishing something that became a hit Then they were chasing me. You know, uh, that's, the mo- that's the benefit of the modern day, you know, like gatekeepers on less and less. You know, it's almost like you get your audience first and then the gate- gatekeepers come after you. So I worked on that book and that came out in January, 2020, and it's been sold already in um, 16 languages. I think it's going to be so far, you know, yeah. like all the way from like Russian to uh, Chinese to, you know, Ukraine, like all these interesting things, you know, languages is coming out in. Uh, right. I was, I got to see the Japanese cover the other day in Japanese. It's so cool. You know, that just like what, seeing my words, in the Japanese uh, letters, which is beautiful. It's just like, it's like looking at calligraphy. Or, like, wow, these are my words, but you know, and then it's a uh, time to raise the next fund. And for the next one, I'm doing something very interesting. I'm I'm not doing the standard fund structure. I'm doing a beta product that AngelList is doing. Uh, my brother Naval is the founder of AngelList. Yep. And um, this is a very interesting product I put out where I'm actually Anyone in the world can invest in my fund uh, directly through AngelList. Mm. And AngelList handles everything, including all the LP reporting, all the exits, all the disbursement, everything that happens in the back office of running a fund, they they made it into a product. It's amazing. In fact, I just like, you know, someone just goes to my fund website, which is Evolve, you know VC. It'll take you to that page. And there you can see like my record, this, that, and how to invest. And people just go and invest. And it's a rolling fund so people can invest quarterly. It's a very interesting new model that I just love because I can always be bringing people in, on. It's not just you raise a fund and then you finish it, then you deploy for a few years and then you raise another fund. It's just constantly of so look. If you're interested in what I'm doing, and you want to be a part of it. Here you go. Here's how to join, and then I'll either accept you or reject you. It's really it's a new product. I've, just, I've been I haven't publicized that I've done that I've done it, but it's out. It's available, and I'm slowly starting to take LPS for the for because i'm seeing a lot of really good deals during this time you know people worry about economic downturns but the best tech companies are usually built during the worst economic times like the google's and the facebook's and all those were built after the during the dot com crash you know when it, things were really like slow here you know the big ones are built then so i'm seeing some great stuff getting built and um, the valuations are better so you know it's time to start investing again
0: yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, look, now is a crazy time. And uh, a lot of people have time on their hands. They're looking at alternative pathways and just different things to do. And uh, yeah, I you know, we, we have a mutual friend that also started a fund as well, and like he's gone crazy, like with Who's the that? amount of deal for I'm i started a fund. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, okay, yeah, yeah of yeah. course, I'm sure. I'm
0: yeah. sure and like um yeah, he, he told me, like, yeah, there's, there's heaps of deals out there right now. Like, yeah. a lot there's of people starting companies. Yeah, a lot of people starting companies. And uh, yeah, I'm curious. You said that um, there's a lot of like exciting things happening. Like, I'd love to hear around kind of like what are some interesting companies that you have seen or that you are have you have you made any investments yet in your in your new fund?
1: No, I've just no, I, I've right now I've just literally put all the pieces in place together. So, and I haven't even announced the fund you okay. know, or anything. So I'm just slowly, slowly telling people one by one. Um, so right now I'm not doing a deep dive in hunting for companies, but I don't really hunt. They come from my network. I have an incredible network. You know, this is one thing I believe in investing. Uh, like if I, if I go to Vegas and you know, I spend time in Vegas, I never gamble. I never even put five cents into a slot machine because the house has the odds. I don't want to play a game where the odds are against me. It's not a game. You know, that, it's a game for me when the odds are in my favor, that it's more fun. And I think in investing, you have to have an unfair advantage. Otherwise, you're gambling. You know, right. it has to be a real, not a perceived, but a real unfair advantage. You know, like in Wall Street, let's be honest, like a, a lot of Wall Street, you know, makes their real money on some level of insider information or some level of just extra information that can, that can um, you, know, informa- you know, information is what like may set you apart and returns there. For me, it's access to the best deals. Like I you know, because of my my time in the valley, I've been here for a long time, all the people I start off with are the people running the show now, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones who get the best deals, right or or you know, many of them, right? And we're friends, and we we know how we you know these are we know how we take care of our deals and so forth, if so we share deals with each other. So I just that's my for advantage you know I just going through my network and have, I have to know some of the some of the investors there because I know the backstory yeah and uh, like if there's an investment there but I haven't I don't personally know the investor in the backstory I want to invest you know I need to be like and I have to have someone else in there investing who's a judgment I trust as well I like this very specific you know criteria that i that I'm not going to deviate by so As this fund, the rolling fund picks up steam, then just these deals are coming and then I'm going to start putting checks in. Like there's one I'm looking at right now that's really interesting and it's getting pretty expensive. Um, I can't talk about it because it's currently, you know. um, So that one I may or may not do because it's getting very expensive. But there's some coming out. There's some really interesting consumer stuff I've seen coming out. Um, You know, uh, that, uh, that I haven't seen consumer stuff that's made me... Interested in a while? I'm actually uh, invested in one because I'm in between funds. It's one of my very like a personal investment uh, that I think has a potential to be really big. Doesn't I also I always always bet on? I like uh, swinging for hits, uh, like like home runs. If I think it's going to be small but good, safe one, I don't invest because venture capital. Because a venture capital fund, uh, your your top investment makes you more money than all your other investments combined right so i've seen this strategy play out many times so like you know what i've what i've decided to realize from my last one and also funds i've seen successful is they pass on the base hits on the double or triple because odds are most of these are going to fail anyway that's the problem most of these are, venture investing is binary zero one because of the way the corporate structure is it's not like an llc where you get pass through you know revenues it's either you're gonna be bought by some other bigger company, or you're gonna IPO. That's the only, or you're gonna go, you're gonna shut down. Those are the literally the only three options. But so the option is either exit or, or shut down. So when you when it becomes that that binary, especially because also building a company from zero to say a billion is really hard, mm. really really hard. Very few people can actually pull it off, no matter how. How, you know, because it involves a level of luck and cogs in the machine and the world coming together and weather patterns and butterfly effects, you know, all these things have to happen, right? It's it's, it's a lot of magic involved, yeah. you know, it's not just, a, you know, and and to get to the level of success, right? And and so you're making these bets are more likely to not go to zero. So the way I look at it, then every single one of mine, I got to feel like I'm hitting, I'm going, I'm swinging for a home run because they can... Most of them go to zero and doesn't matter. couple connect, and you are all very, very happy. Mm-hmm. So that's my philosophy.
0: I see. So has to be has to have billion dollar valuation potential otherwise.
1: No I don't problem. look at it as as valuation potential. I look at it as like you know, can this take over, become part of like a big takeover category, become or a big player in the category? The money then takes care of itself. Um, I don't even think of the, the valuation that way.
0: Only SaaS?
1: No, no, no. Like the the one I did recently that was a personal one was pure consumer, mm-hmm. not SaaS. I, I'm very uh, agnostic. I'm just, my only uh, uh, criteria is return on capital. <laughs> you know? And also, like, I have to, I mean, I have very specific criteria for the ones I look at and then especially the one that I invest in, but like really, like it's not industry. Now, if it's industry that I don't understand and there's no investors in there, I know well, right, then I won't put money in because that's gambling. I, I don't have unfair advantage there.
0: So can you tell us more about your criteria? Is that, is that OK to share?
1: Uh, criteria is more on, you know, in the end, it's people. You bet on people. And that's uh, that's not one you can put on a spreadsheet. It's, it's more like talking to founders or figuring out what their vision is, where they're coming from. Are they building this because it's a hot space? Are they building it because they were born to do it? Every time I met someone that I, I'm like, oh, this person's on a mission, and that's been a great bet. Like Encore, for example, mm. I, had to, like, I flew from San Francisco to New York and I had to convince him to take a check for me, a seed, seed stage check, because he wasn't taking any more checks. And other bigger VCs were climbing to get checks, and he took mine because you know he knew that I'd be helpful. And uh, we hit it off, but like Encore, I was like, I want to bet on this guy, and I know this space, and this is a space I want to bet on. One, I knew some of the other investors in there very well, uh, and really, it was, I've, so those that had passed, those checks had passed. But in the end, it was a bet on Encore.
0: You you said uh, that it was interesting around staying humble. What are some other things that you see, like in when it looks at your when we look at your last fund? how many startups did you invest in? How many are still there? You said you had a few exits like Teachable and Zcash, but like how many are still there? How many did you exit and how many are not there anymore? I'd love to just give a gauge if you can share.
1: Yeah, I can't share actual numbers because the fund is still active. Like there's other companies out there that are just privately doing really, really well. Like I I have companies that I invested at 2 million valuation that are now at 250 or 350 million, you know, like, so, um, I'm happy to just watch them grow. Then there's some that went completely zero. But if I talk about the ones that get to zero, then I don't want to start criticizing. You know, yeah. you know immediately who I am. I want to start criticizing the founders. So I'd rather just give the lessons, right? Because yeah. because okay. it's hard building anything, and I don't want to criticize human people who tried, right? Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you the patterns I've noticed, right? I'd love and to then hear one, that. One of the clearest ones is when they think they're too smart and they stop listening to their board. They stop listening to uh, the early investors. They just think that, uh, and not because they have that that single minded vision. They're not a Steve Jobs. Everybody likes to think they're a Steve Jobs. You're not a Steve Jobs. <laughs> you know, like the guy was a maniac in many ways. Like, <laughs> so, like don't try to think just because you're going to wear a black turtleneck and be a maniac that you're Steve Jobs. Right? You're not. When I've seen that, it's like I literally write those investments off. Another one is when I see all of a sudden, like a big agency running a lot of ads for them on subways and outdoor ads. Every time I've seen them, I was like, oh fuck, excuse my line, oh fuck, I'm writing this one off. And it happened each time, you know? Especially why, when it's why? an ad for, because it's not an ad that belongs in the subway. There's certain ads that do well on subways and that kind of thing. But when you see their ads on a subway, you're like, first one, that was expensive if they're doing New York City subways. Meaning they had an agency that's spending money, that that has these relationships. It's more about the agency spending the money Looking good than it is ROI on that on that advertising spend. Sure, and especially when you see ads that you look at, it, you go, "If I was an investor, I would have no idea what this company does." I mean, the dot com boom era at the time was full of that. Was full of that, right? And to see that repeat at times is just because There was a company I invested in, and it became a big darling hit in the valley. And I was a seed investor. I was one of the very earliest investors, and raised like this massive round from Kleiner Perkins. You know, like the John Doerr joined the board. And it was like I was, you know, like. Um, but I remember being in New York City and seeing ads for them on the, all over the subway, and I couldn't for the life of me, if I was an investor, figure out what the company did. And I was like, shit. I went home and I wrote it off in my inter- my personal spreadsheet. Sure enough, you know, it's like you start to see these patterns, right? Like, first of all, don't hire expensive ad agencies if you're doing anything online. Anything related to online, you need internet marketers. You need like people who are just doing ROI on ad spend, like direct dot, You a dollar in, you make a dollar one cents or dollar ten cents. If you're trying an ad agency, you've immediately that's your ego. You've been sold to someone. Uh, you know, someone sold you a bill of goods that can't uh, return on it. And it's just like a, it's a pattern I've seen. I saw in the first dot com boom, so maybe I'm more oversensitive to it. But I've seen it again and again these days as well. Then there are companies I've seen ads for, and I thought, okay, that works, right? It needs to be out there. It needs the average person to see. It, but this way, but yeah, large agency ad spend immediately is a big flag. But by then, I've already, I'm a, I'm a seed investor. My money's already in. You know, it's more for like lessons learned. Another big one is uh, when founders are are fighting. When founders are that actually kills and causes more issues than people realize. So when founders are fighting, if you see that early on before you put your check in, don't put it in. And this yeah, is the other to agree with this as me. well. Yeah.
0: Who mentioned that to you? Uh Jessica Livingston.
1: Oh Jessica's great. She's the person to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. She,
0: she, she said that's yes, yeah, she said that's one of the number one things that the reasons that, that they see startups don't work in white Combinator. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because it's like a can you imagine having a marriage? Uh, and trying to you know, but your marriage is building a company, and you know how hard it is to build a company, have employees and all. I mean, you know, right? Can't even and, and they're fighting all the time and they're not even having sex. So there's nothing good. <laughs> you're you just having the problems of without the getting laid. So it's terrible. Of course it <laughs> Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, those two. Um, often, I, you know, when I see founders building something because it's a hot market, you saw that a lot in crypto, right? Um, but the crypto was such a boom, was such a bull market that they, they ended up doing fine. But the moment the bull market shifts, they fall apart, right? It's the ones who were in it because they truly believed in crypto. Like I was a seed investor at Zcash. And again, like Ankur, this was a bet on Zuko. The guy was born to build uh, this. He cared about this long before people cared about crypto. Right? He was doing it long before anyone cared. That's the kind of people, first of all, you want to back. If you're backing people, who do you want to succeed? You know, the people who really care about a problem and trying to solve it, not because the space is hot, let me make a quick buck. And basically that usually involves scam. It many times it's a scam. A lot of crypto was, let's be honest, a scam. There were some great projects in there, you know, that I believe in that I actually that I bought and and you know, but I was a majority of it was a scam. It was yeah. just people trying to make a quick buck off other people. I sell it, sell to the uh, biggest sucker. You yeah. know, so I avoid those. Even when the space is hot, I avoid them because first of all, seed investing is a long-term game. To build go from zero to a billion takes time, mm-hmm. right? You can have some early ones. Like Zcash took me a year, year and a half to exit. That was really fast. Um, you look at Instagram. That took about a year and a half to exit. That was really fast. Zero to, that was literally zero to a billion, right? Uh, I was an investor in it, but um, I have friends who were. And, but those are more rare. Those are more the outliers. Normally, like take it takes time to build that. So you can't be investing saying, oh, this market's really hot now. But it's kind of scammy, right? Mm-hmm. Or I don't think it'll work unless because a year from the two years from the that, that market won't be hot, you know? And it's going to take time to build something. So- I like builders. I like people who are, who are really on a mission, right? Those are the ones you really want to back. And you know, having said that, it's not like every founder I've invested had that. I'm looking back at my favorites and at my best investments. I've seen that
0: as a pattern. Obsession.
1: Um, obsession is a big word. I think that just like uh, people can be obsessed for many reasons, and that obsession that can come apart at the rail if things go wrong. Uh, I would say more like the what the phrase I use, they were born to do this. Like this is what they're, this is, they care deeply. Mm. Right? I think so it's a little different than obsession. You know, I don't think Steve Jobs was obsessed about bringing the iPhone to the world, but he cared deeply about product design and, and UI and simplicity and, you know, getting, you know, consumer devices. So I think it's more about care deeply about a problem they want to solve.
0: Mm, I see. Interesting. Um, well, man, this was really, really valuable because a lot of people watching now, um, like this is interesting. Like these are things that people could get trapped into, right. Or, you know, these are things that people could start going down a pathway and they don't know it. Right. And they could be watching this and be like, wow, like it's a big slap to the face.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, you know, it's one investor's, one person's, uh, thoughts, right. Um, but you know, I've been in the valley long enough, and I've been around tech entrepreneurs long enough, and been one myself long enough that you see patterns, yeah. right? And you pay attention to the patterns. That the patterns repeat.
0: You know, Yeah, it's that experience.
1: So yeah, and I think you have to do that. if you're going to be invest, you have to be a good at recognizing patterns.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So I'd love to switch gears and talk about the reprint of Love Yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I read that book before. We did our interview a long, long time ago, and uh, you had an incredible story, man. Of like, like I'd love to switch gears and talk about that, like that part of your life that compelled you to write that book and how you got there. Um, sure. Yeah. What? What? What happened? Because, like, you know, I think it's easy as well on the internet to see these incredibly successful people, and you think, wow. You know, at the end of the day, everybody has challenges and issues and things that uh, they go through. And you went through a, a, a you know, a really dark time, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I'm very human, right? We all go through that, as you said. Uh, by the way, just one slight correction. It's not a reprint. Um, the original version was self-published, and it was short. It was like 62 pages. Yep. I didn't expect it to go anywhere. I didn't expect it to become like a success, runaway success, right? Um but what I realized after seven years of it being out there, because I put my email address in that book because I didn't know any better. Because I expected to sell maybe less than 10 copies and I put my email address. Anyone has got questions, email me. Oh, guess what? Over seven years, I have like tens of thousands of email, right? Yeah. And, um, um, and amazing email, amazing email. And then a lot of questions. And I realized, look, I didn't expect the book to go anywhere. I was just putting a little thing out there that I could share with my friends on a truth that i learned that really transformed my life. And, and in a very practical way. And um, I realized if this book is going to be out in the world, I need to do the real version. So I, I, And I need to make sure that these questions get answered. So I rewrote the whole thing um, to where it's like, it's about four or five times the size of the original. right? And it really goes in depth. But also in a way, very, very practical, very honest, very real, shows, you know, shows like, look, this is one man doing this and here's literally how you can replicate it. And what it was based on was just my, um, when I, earlier when I mentioned that company that failed, I lost everything, I fell apart. I really fell apart, fell in a dark place. And it was one night that I decided I can't take this anymore and I'm done. And I made a vow to myself and a vow is a full-on commitment to oneself and the vow was to love myself. I mean, it was more poetic than that. It came in the moment, but it, in a, and to summarize, it was to love myself. And I'm not a guy who believed in that, nor am I a guy who knew how to do it. And But because I made that vow, I set out to do it. And I realized very quickly it was not an external game. You don't love yourself by buying yourself. Uh, those, those might be results of it, buying yourself things or whatever. Loving yourself has to come become an internal thing. So I worked on my internal self. And I basically whatever worked in my head that made me feel better, I'd went deeper. If it didn't, I went out, and I came up with this basic daily practice I did every day. And within a month, it had transformed my life. What was really interesting was by working my inside, and this is something I share, but I don't go very. Much, I go into it in the book, but but I, enough so that people can figure it out on their own as well. Um, is that as my inside changed, my my life changed without me doing anything to affect it. It's a very interesting thing I learned when I appeared in life was that you work on your inside, your outside, your outside just molds itself to it. Don't ask me how that works because I have no idea. I mean, you know, like that, who the hell knows? But matters, you know, I'm, that's where my startup training comes in, 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 um, in hand. where I, I just give it what's practical. Give me that sale. I don't care why. <laughs> give me that conversion, right? Like, and then show me how to do it again and again. Show me making a process so I can get that conversion again and again. So that's basically what the book is about. It's the story, but also like exactly how to do what I did that changed my life, but in, on the inside. And so the new version, I'm getting emails from all over the world. You know, It's amazing. Like it's absolutely, man, of them are heartbreaking. you'd be amazed what people have gone through and how it's helping them. And I go deeper in sharing what I've gone through because I want people to know they're not alone. And look, here's how I use this to overcome that. And here's how you can too. And I'm very proud of it. I worked almost a year on it. I gave a lot to that book, put a lot of myself into it. You know, And you don't do these things for the ROI. You do this because you want to leave something beautiful for the world. That's purely yours that wouldn't exist if you weren't there. Like This is one, this is my version of how to love yourself. I want to sit, basically in the end, write the book from my experience, not from theory, that truly the practical manual on how to love yourself. To anyone, I can give to anyone and within a month they're, they're really living that. And it's not much work so
0: and you still do do the practice every day
1: every day you know and i talk about when i when i felt when i stopped doing it and how like the mind gets lazy and returned to old patterns i share all that i share my own dirty you know i go to my way to make sure like look i'm no perfect specimen Mm. i'm the one who came up with this and i'm the one who like gets lazy on it and look what happens and let me show you what i have to do again i'm very honest you know, but I think I owe that, you know, especially because of the readers I had who read the original version. I owe them to the several longest to say, like, look, I'm, you know, there is no perfection here. You're always just stepping forward, you know, next step, next. Just doing it again and again. It's like working out, you know, like you go to the gym. If you go to the gym every day for a few months, you'll be in pretty good shape. You stop and you bonbons for the next year. Guess what's going to happen? You know, like it's the mind is even more plastic the mind responds even faster both ways so yeah and it's and the funny thing is the mind runs the show but if you work on all these other things but in the end the mind works the so and if you get your mind right all these other things especially being an entrepreneur i wish i'd known someone had taught me this earlier i think my successes would have been far more significant in my, and and would have had less losses if i had worked on my mind like this because it would have kept me from like going all first of all just the internal suffering that comes (laughs) in, you know, to be honest, you know, Um, and then just it would have made a more pleasant process and I would have made better decisions.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I was thinking into myself, like, I really respect the fact that, you know, now, now you've launched a second version of the book um, that you've gone and, and you're honest with the fact that you, you know, you have swayed a little. And, you, you know, you stop the, the daily ritual and this is what can happen because you read these books like how to wake up in the morning or like the epic morning routines and stuff. And you just think, wow, like how does that person keep doing it day in, day out, day in, day out? And you think they're just like this perfect person or they've got this hardcore kind of, you know, uh, you know, David Goggins like discipline, <laughs> you know, like and, and like I'm not him like I'm not david goggins i just Uh i just you know so i really respect that um i'm curious as well like you talk about mindset a lot and if you had have done these things earlier on in in your journey as a founder um really working on getting your mind right you would have been more successful is that because you feel
1: honestly faster easier better when your mind is better your mind is um and the, uh, and i do it all from the space of loving myself because that we're wired for it you know and, and it resolves a lot of issues
0: that, and is that i'm curious like is that because you believe you would have made better decisions because you you weren't making emotional decisions
1: no um uh, they would be they wouldn't be from fear or they wouldn't be from from desperation or from um you know, a lot of choices come from, pre- a lot of poor choices come from fear or just um, versus, you know, and often as a founder, you're just trying to keep the whole thing together. You know, you have all these pressures of leadership is lonely. You know, it's cliche, but it is lonely, you know, yeah. and especially when you're like responsible for other people's money and people's like people you know, who joined your crazy idea and now their family's livelihood is dependent on them. the kids going to school, you know, you're paying for that, you know, like all that stuff. There's a, there's a level of pressure that, you know, a lot of people are not entrepreneurs don't realize that that an entrepreneur has to deal with. And I think the mindset definitely helps with the pressure and helps you make right decisions. And because you, you're taking care of your inner self, when you take your inner self, you, they're just cleaner, that you make better decisions. You don't, like looking back, I wouldn't have made deals with certain people that I did that I regret it, you know, as a as a CEO, right? Deals with a company. Because uh I would have just like I wouldn't have, you know, I would have was in a different headspace. Um, I know like, look, I'll tell you, like when I've uh, so since applying it, what I've done, you know, like when I raised my fund, I was very clear on um my last fund. Like I turned people down. If I didn't like their values, I didn't want their money. You know, really like. Yeah, because I was coming from a much more solid place inside, even though at the time I was completely broken in debt. I was living off credit cards, yeah. you know, and I could have taken people off of me large checks. I was like, no, I don't want your money, you know, because I was feeling that way about myself. And you, when you feel that, you just know, you know, I'm going to stick to my values and do it. And I'm so glad I did that. So the success I have now, it feels sweeter. But also, I think when you bring back, you know, people on board that are not aligned with their values, that gets in the way of you doing stuff. So that's a clear example actually. I hadn't thought of it before.
0: Yeah, so I'm big fan of mindset, like big big fan of mindset, big big fan of learning. I think, you know, like you, as a founder, you your your personal growth is a reflection of your company's growth. Like if your company mm-hmm. stops growing in many ways, that's a reflection on you as a founder and as the leader and your lack of personal growth. And I'm a big fan in, of like, even just the simple things, like, let's just say you want to build a hundred million dollar company, right? Like half the battle is won if you truly believe in your mind that it's already done. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, very much so, man. That's something a lot of people don't talk about, but you see that a lot of very successful, um, you see that a lot in athletes a lot, Mm. you know, especially in athletes, uh, I think you see a little less, in, you see less in entrepreneurs because um, it involves uh, depending on other people, whereas athletes, are depend, in the end, they depend on themselves. It comes out of them what they can do. So you see that more clearly. But I've, you know, as I'm no funny, you mentioned it, because I've been thinking a lot about this, and it really does, like the, the the great ones, like the big ones, right? You you do see this
0: that conviction that that. Refuse to be beaten, already done. I know it's achievable no matter how long it takes. Like, but then at the same time, you have like you may you, you would have probably invested in in some founders that they would have had that insane conviction and it didn't work out because of market. Like, look at COVID, sure. you know, like, yeah, you know, it like,
1: made some businesses and broke a bunch of businesses. That's yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Like, like, you like, look at who COVID, was using
1: Zoom before COVID.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well we're using skype still but yeah. you know what
1: i mean now it's yeah. become a verb
0: like- yeah so like have you seen ones like that where like this found out you know they have everything we've discussed right and you know they they've got a rock solid mindset they've you know maybe had some knocks and then they just wanted to change the world of travel in some way shape or form or even anything where a person is face to face, right? Like any, any startup or any company that has face to face has been like in any form of transaction uh, has, has been damaged. Like you look at Airbnb or like. You
1: know, know, that's where it comes down to the individual. That's where it comes down to the founders. I was talking to a friend of mine, um, very, very smart guy, successful. He built a very big conference business. Um, in fact, they have one of the biggest conferences. They, they have the build. The, I remember speaking at the very first one. And I spoke at the very first few. It had maybe 200 people. Now it's the leading conference in their space and gets about 5,000 to 7,000 people to come from all over the world to be, and like all like decision-making level, that kind of stuff oh, to, wow. to the conference once a year, right? And that conference was as happens in March, late March of every year. And guess what happened this year, you know? They had to cancel it and they waited late. I was like looking online and uh, their tweets. I was like, man, I don't think you guys should do it. This is going to be like a festering virus, you know, our uh, petri dish. And so they canceled it. I was talking to him. He's like, you know, that was painful. He said he personally lost a few million dollars that he would have made on that conference, right? But he said, so what he did was he's like, well, I got to do something. So he started looking at some online stuff and started like doing this online thing. And it's now, and it, and he did a little small thing just to pass the time because now you had extra time because the conference wasn't happening. He said, now that thing is making me $600,000 a month. Wow. So it comes down to the individual, to his mindset. He's like, okay, that's happening and I'm not going to sit there and come apart because of it, right? I'm actually going to sit down and say, okay, what, is that? what else is interesting? What can I do online that I can make some money on? and he made did it and he made some money I was like let me make some more money on it more money now it's literally making more than he lost than he would have made on that conference
0: so coming back to it you believe that uh it is that ability to just never give up
1: um it's not never give up because sometimes you have to know when to give up i wish i'd known (laughs) there's also like tenacity (laughs) something you just gotta let go you know like uh, I, that's a bad habit of mine. I'm like a bulldog. I'll just bite on it. I have to solve this. Get you know, out of the high water. I think it's more uh, flexibility. Mm. Yeah, you know, the market changes. You change with it, or you change. Or you look for the new opportunity. You don't just say that's my only opportunity. That's a big mistake. I've made many times. Where it's like you get so focused on this one problem, you think the world will cease to exist if you don't. If this company doesn't become successful, or this product doesn't take off. or you well, but the market conditions may change. The market may not want it. So like. The best thing to do is take that experience and actually look and say what else could work. I wish I'd learned that earlier, actually. You know, that involves flexibility, but also requires eating some humble pie. <laughs> you know, it's a painful humble pie at times.
0: What about uh, mentorship? Uh, what are your What is your thoughts there, Kamal, around mentorship, advisory, coaches?
1: Um, I'm know. not a big fan, um, uh-huh. honestly. I'm a I'm, I'm a fan of doers. And if you want to learn from doers, go work for them. The best ways I've learned is like work for doers. Uh, you can learn from courses, right? You can take courses. You can learn from them, which is very important. One should always be learning and growing, right? One can books exist. You know, YouTube exists. Co, you know, your company exists, providing courses, right? That's important. Um, but as far as like someone teaching you, it's very hard. It's very hard to teach business, unless you're like you know nothing. You don't know what you're doing. You want someone to tell. Teach you the very basics. If you want your handheld, coaches are really good. If you want accountability, coaches are really good. And often we need those, right? Often this is lonely. So like having that other person being accountable, you're accountable to, is helpful. It's very helpful. But don't expect them to build a business, your business for you. If they could, they, want them, <laughs> they should be building it themselves, right? Um, the really good entrepreneurs I know, they would be too damn expensive if they were a coach. You would have to pay them millions to, to to be worth your while, right? So the best thing is go work for one of them or find one of them or like do something in their space or whatever. But like, it's by doing. That's one thing I really love about Silicon Valley. Like we we all learn here by doing, by just joining. The whole concept of mentorship, like no one I know has had mentors in the space. Men, but we've had people we consider mentors and they were all people we worked with or we got involved with somehow or we just like started helping each other or helping them. And you learned. But it was again through action, right? It wasn't sit down, because I get a lot of requests like that. Could you mentor me in this and mentor that? I wouldn't know what to do, what to tell you. Like I would say, go do it. (laughs) And here's the bill. (laughs) (laughs) So this is my personal feeling about it, right? Um, But like I said, it's, you know, if one's not used to entrepreneurship and it's lonely and it's hard. Right. And it's a daily grind. Every day you get up and go back in the ring and get, you know, someone's punching at you. You know, usually it's more than one person punching at you. So, in that case, if you need accountability, if you need someone to hold your hand, and nothing wrong with that, we all need that sometimes, then I think that's good. But just be honest with yourself your coach is not going to build your business.
0: Yeah. The reason I ask that question as well is because a lot of people think of getting a mentor as a silver bullet. Have you seen uh-huh. this? Where they're yeah. like, oh, I just, I think I need a mentor. Like, I, cause, cause, you know, they might be struggling or they, they don't know what to do or they're looking for guidance. And uh, that comes up a lot. People asking for mentorship, how to find a mentor, what to do. And I think there's a deep, you know, the problem. best
1: mentors are out there already. Like, look, I'll give you an example. I had the best mentor in the world as writing, Ernest Hemingway. He died before, before I was, before I became a writer. I think before, when did he die? 60s? Before I was 50s? Before I was born, right? Uh, but I studied his work obsessively. He left behind what to do. like the best mentors, there's so many great podcasts right now, right? You get to talk to Jessica Livingston, who's like knows every every like young founder who's ever been a white comic she's one of the co-founders, right? You get to listen to her. you know forget getting some someone you know some person as a as a coach. get Jessica Livingston how just listen to every podcast she's ever done. You have Jessica Livingston as a mentor. You know, I'd pick people like that. and say, who do I want to learn from? And then go like, listen to every interview they've ever done that, that actually exists now in a way it never did before, mm-hmm. you know, and, but you have to be a self-starter there, you know, um, uh, but really the best mentors in the world. I mean, like all the best investors I know are on podcasts or have like, you know, doing something where they're sharing online, what they're doing, or go to like Angelus and look at their investments. If you want to learn how to invest and say what they, you start to see the patterns and what they invest, you know, like it's, it's actually really available. I, I think this is the best time. If you want to mentor, they're all available.
0: Yeah, I agree. 110%. One, 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 one thing that someone once told me, which I thought was a killer idea is, let's just say you want to go into a market or you want to go into a space. You like, or, or you're you you're already in a space and you want to know how to get leverage or to look on how to get traction further. Look up all the founders in that particular space and all the companies and all the founders and just look for the podcasts they've done. Spend oh, a brilliant. week. Spend a week listening to every <laughs> single one. And you will be a hundred times better. You, They will share their red flags. They'll share yeah, yeah, the yeah, lessons yeah. learned. They'll share the traps to look for. They'll share everything they've worked out. And you'll be far better off.
1: Dude, that's absolutely brilliant. And t- think about the mentorship you just received. You know, uh, I think people, a lot of people think, you know, mentorship is like Luke Skywalker and Yoda. It's not.
0: <laughs> yes. They, that's what people do think, yes.
1: <laughs> right?
0: Yeah. And they think no. like, No one, like, you know, I've had incredible mentors um, from all walks, right? People that I've interviewed, people that I've, you know, read their books or people that I speak to all the time or or have got a a certain, you know, amount of space with them over a period of time. And not once have I ever said to them, will you be my mentor?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. None of the, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's really weird to hear that from people sometimes. Like, like, what do you want me to tell you? It's in my books. It's in my, like, if it's on life, it's in my books, you know, and I'm very real. If it's on investing, like, look, it's in the podcast I've done. Yeah. You know? um, but if someone, you know, like someone's, re- one thing I always do, someone read my book, and they want to ask a question or whatever, I'll always answer it, because they took in the time to read my work.
0: Shows right? you serious.
1: Then. Then, then I have a, I owe it to you to answer any question you got, or to at least connect with you, you know, and that. Um, but yeah, it's like this is the best time to create, and especially online, create anything online. All the courses are there. If you want to learn how to build anything, there's a course out there for it, right? And you don't have to, you don't have to like host the servers in your basement or anything like that. I mean, you just got, it's all done for you. It's just you just have to execute. And there's things to learn, but there's courses on it. And it's a step by step by thing. This is an amazing time to to build things, and especially if you if you think that you know a lot of people who are building companies should not be building a venture funded company. Most a lot of projects are not venture are not projects that should be venture funded because the wow. moment you take money from a venture fund or angel investor who wants to and then that kind of vehicle it becomes binary. Right, your your vehicle changes it become a core it becomes a corporate structure than an LLC in the United States. All of a sudden, let's say your company only is making your company's making three million a year in revenue profit. If it was an LLC and you own 67% of it, you would get 67% of that three million every year. Mm. Right? So there's a lot of companies that should actually be that structure. That are, if, you're, if they're revenue based, so bootstrapping, you could take every year, like every month, every quarter, yeah, and you could take a lot of money out. Whereas, if the moment you take an angel investor's money, it's no longer an LLC. You can't do that. Done. You're a salary employee until the day you exit, or you, or the thing just goes, 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 and then shuts down, right? So that's something people to, to realize. You know, when you know, often I've talked people out of taking money. <laughs>
0: <Why>? <laughs> you
1: know, because I'm like, it's not good for you. You know, it's the company you're building, you're better off making a couple of million a year than going for the zero to one that might make you ten million. You know, might might make you versus if this looks like a good revenue producing business that won't be like that massive thing, build this and start start taking a couple of million dollars a year home and you'll be happy. You know.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point you make. Um I'm I have no experience firsthand with raising capital. Um, founder is bootstrapped and will be like, I I don't see us ever raising money. And that's because that was a strategic choice I made many years ago that I just love what I do so much and I don't want to sell it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, like you could I, always like yeah. uh, a bootstrap company, you know, let's say it becomes quite, you know, become quite big and it's whatever the relative term is. Um, another company may want to buy a piece of it but you still a control owning it. And then you may want to do it, sell it for a multiple revenue because you want to take cash out. You mm-hmm. don't want to just take revenues. You want to say like, look what I'll sell you at like 5X or 10X revenue. I'll sell you 20% of the company. That's a nice payday for you, right? You do it for things like that, you know, when you bootstrap, and that's perfectly fine. You still control the company. It's your company. They're basically betting on you to continue to grow it and just give out revenues, right? That's That's a very different game
0: interesting so um we have to work towards wrapping up but man always great speaking with you dude <laughs> always like yeah like uh just
1: we can't do it more often than once every six years
0: <laughs> yeah i know i know i know i know for sure so um yeah like uh what's next you talked about this new fund you're starting what else is exciting
1: um today i submitted uh my podcast so <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> finally i have a podcast too today i submitted spotify and itunes and all that that should be out next week and that's called curious kamal we just interviewing interesting people learning from them and just being curious
0: awesome well look um a couple last questions uh one where's the best place that people can find out more about yourself your new book uh the new second version of your book and uh then lastly, any kind of final words, parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share?
1: Um, they can go to CuriousKamal.com. just setting that up. It should be interesting. You know, um, I'll put stuff on there. Uh, so they, all, they can always limit them up to on there. And parting words of wisdom. That's interesting. Um, you know, the parting words of wisdom is spend more time working on the inner game every day. It pays off dividends in ways you can't even quantify. You know, but every day, set aside time, whatever your thing is. If you're like, hey, I want to learn to meditate, do yoga, whatever, do, do it. Um, but I think, but I would even say go beyond that. Like, uh, meditation is a really good one because it's purely work on the mind. Everyone I know who does meditates is better. It's obviously are better for it. You know, there's no one I met who has done meditation for a while and says, you know what? It's made my life worse. <laughs> there's not a single person that <laughs> I've ever met. And we're talking like really high performing people. Right Very successful, high performing people, high stress. Um, I would say, yeah, like make the inner game, working on the inner game like a core part of every day, and it'll pay off it'll pay off massive dividends.
0: yeah, I love it, man, cause this is stuff no one ever speaks about. That's funny because you should. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Awesome, man. Well, look, we will uh, wrap there, but thanks so much for your time. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce,